Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. And it's also having that flexibility, building that into the plan of working it out. And it goes back to people like buying off plan, like why it's done for sort of house builders as well. They're buying into something, they can customise it, work out what size. Hello, welcome back to the Commercial Property Investor podcast. And my name's Jerry Alexander. Today, I've got Zoe Ellis-Moore with me. Zoe, hi. Good morning. Hi there. Nice to see you. Um, Zoe's joining us from her business Spaces to Places. So, Zoe, can you maybe just give us a quick introduction to the type of activity you do and the sort of businesses that you're helping, just to give some people some context? Yes, certainly. Thank you so much for inviting me today. And, of course, I think the premises, space places, just work in the flexible office sector. This and also the office sector even more that we're finding clients migrating over to flex yep. as well. And so I think that's the one that is just the flex sector. And we're working with clients. They're on mostly growth trajectory and growing is the key one for us. Yep. So we've got providers launching into the flex office space, first time providers launching, say Aventurex were coming over from the United States with their franchise model. We've worked with them to, um, to help them grow in the UK. So that's sort of, um, well, say launching into the market. Then we've got clients that are very much expanding. And this is the big group we're working with lots of clients, say clockwise offices that are expanding now into Europe as well and helping them on their locational strategy work and research work. And then other clients like the boutique workspace company are, are also we're managing all their marketing on that okay. service there. And yeah, some and landlords as well is the other one where we call them established where they're trying to grapple and much more some of these brand lords with the flex market. Yes. So across, so deep penetration into the sector. And the key ones for us is from my previous experience of 20 years commercial property, always been looking at research and linking it with brand and marketing and really understanding the brand side and the influence. But yeah, I think yeah, it's important yeah. just to point out, yeah, you, you do concentrate a lot on researching the market sector that, that that brand is trying to penetrate and then developing your marketing and lead gen around that and and strategy as well yes i think that comes from just my previous um life in property getting fed up with hope marketing where it's very much build it and they become sort of philosophy yeah. and that we've all seen and especially if somebody goes oh here's a building you know just fill it it's always like we go back to the first ones understand the market, the demographics, the worker population, we go deep into that, understand what product's right, what type of sector businesses yeah. are around the area, what's the need, is it high end, low end, um, so you get the right product in the right location, that very much product development side. Yeah. And then we go on to the revenue generating marketing, which is, we know who to target, we know there's demand, so it's, yeah we can actually have revenue generating marketing that leads to sales. So it's always 
brand to sales that's what we're tr trying yeah. to do so hence much more sort of quite a structured approach we work through there with clients okay so we're, we're today we're going to concentrate on um i mean ultimately about lead generation but also about keeping those customers mm. but within the context of using branding um and your marketing strategy to actually develop that so just before we go on to that though um i just want to ask any have you had any clients come to you with a building that they've already purchased so they've not gone through the research really and as you said maybe earlier on sometimes people buy a building and they will come right yeah and they've bought a building and they've tried different things and, and i imagine part of the reason some people do come to you of course is they've tried different things and they're like what do we do now but have you ever had any real ducks <laughs> that they've bought a building you're just actually this is just not going to work where you are yes and often part of our sort of work is going through a sort of sort of scenario planning going through the options and many times we do put exit as one of the the options there with scenario planning it's interestingly it can be you know somebody with one location but we often work with put on portfolio size yes okay where where they have one site location that's really not working and we have to come in and do sometimes sort of that detective investigation work going yeah. okay what's gone on here sometimes the story you know is quite solvable it's positioning they're positioning in totally the wrong yeah. area they've gone high end we had one sort of north london area gone really high end and the market demand is only property companies and also charities in the area so they're not paying the full market rent and so sometimes it's mismatched with the expectations there yes. um and so that is one that we often you know very much come across quite a lot others where in a residential area no footfall no car parking it's not good you know it's yeah. not going to work but understanding sometimes there's a bit more to all these things where it was meant to be a residential development that so can get planning permission there's always understanding the story behind what's sure. going on and um, and we do across the board the team especially hillary on the research side we've worked across all different property sectors so go actually you know this is better as a dark kitchen we have recommended with some of you know we've gone that level because the fundamentals are sometimes just not there that yeah. that's the issue the other big issue that's really interesting is the expectations and often we find marketing's fault of last people get so obsessed with getting the most beautiful product and it looking good this new um, office that they don't do any of the pre-lets yes. marketing and suddenly open with no customers and that's the one that's really hard when we get called in when it's opened and been open like three or four months and there's no customers you need to do the pre-mark i think that's the biggest lesson pre-sales with office space or flex yeah. office even co-working telling people it's coming in advance because um, that's the fatal one that we see often that's really yeah, and it becomes really difficult to create community or anything when you're showing people around an empty building and they're wondering what does everybody else know yeah and yes. it is yeah someone i talk about quite a lot is as soon as you buy a site start getting your start getting some signage up and various things mm -hmm. but that whole thing about um scarcity so when people are potentially initially viewing you might be doing it in phases and then it would be a case of well you know this is this is going to be released on such and such a day and that just builds that whole anticipation but if you 
get caught up in the whole redevelopment thing and excited about buildings with some people who really like buildings like me it, it can be a situation where you're just carried away in all the development and oh, i'll deal the marketing mm -hmm. later i'll get it already first nice and shiny but actually not a great strategy no and it's also having that flexibility building that into the plan of working it out and it goes back to people like buying off plan like why it's done for sort of house builders as well they're buying into something they can customize it work out what size so that is the pre-sale which is really good with that sort of yeah. where they feel like getting great deal being part of something from the start that you know and it's key getting that anchor tenant or some local people to activate the community and be your word of mouth about it yep. as well that's where we find the key factors for success right know. okay right we're, we're we're drifting off into different Sorry. directions let's pull ourselves back to brand yeah um and more specifically for people that have an ambition to develop beyond one site so for, for us we we've often done our individual locations based around the local market so we might call it um let's say for instance there's one in i don't know um well we have one in dalgate bay so we deliberately call it dalgate bay business center we we are trying to make that one focused on the local area and in the one in dundee we've got called flower mill you, you know about some of these buildings away right so so the yeah. flower mill in dundee we very specifically focused on branding it the flower mill the challenge is as you get bigger there's more scope to develop a general brand and which for us is liberty space um i feel like i'm on the couch now talking through our business, <laughs> but, but basically there's that um part when you start going from one to two to three when actually you recognize hold on a minute there's much more value in creating brand so that i can cross sell i can um, get more scale here but if you're an individual with one location and you don't quite know whether you're going to go to other locations or not how relevant is brand at that stage and what should people be thinking about so one location i think is totally different if you're always going to stay at one location yes. because the thing with branding is you want it to be reliable and replicable that you want to know you're going to open up a new location you know what the demand is so if it's one location and you're going to be much more that neighborhood base it is quite a different strategy yeah to be quite honest there but still some of the principles i would say always exist um that you've got to know your audience there you're less worried on your brand hierarchy i think with the first location if you know you're going to expand to lots of other locations thinking about as your brand as a hierarchy are you going to have lots of different separate brands for each different location yes are you going to have one master brand strategy and um, or are you going for a hybrid quite a few do go for a hybrid where they'll mix the two where you've got a master brand and then individual location brand hotels are really good to look at sort of brand hierarchy the pig hotel i find really interesting they've got pig in on the beach pig in the city they've got different pigs yep. brands and strands but it's still that master brand the pig with the locations coming through there so it's understanding that brand hierarchy at the moment you're going for different brands for different locations um space made is a company that do that as well really bringing out the essence um, of each location yeah so that's what you're understanding that's what you're about 
I think if it's one location and you are purely about sort of bespoking that to that location, hence bringing in the name is a good strategy there. Or sometimes it's a feature of the building or something that unique that you're bringing out there. Um, the one that I think is interesting for us is having that roadmap and understanding your always going back to the basics of USP with a brand. So one we worked on was Worting House um, Basingstoke. It was a serviced office in a Parkland setting in some ways. And the thing for us was it was been around for 20 years and reaching COVID stages, lost a lot of clientele and they realized the market had need and they changed and they needed to change because the perception from the logo and the impression, I think that's always the one trying to get that independent perspective on what does your brand say. People were seeing a house and they weren't sure because they focused so much on this working house. Yes. You know, uh, people felt like it could be a nursing home, it could be a hotel. They didn't think it was a an office, a modern office workspace. So quite a lot of that was the perception changing that we need to go on because people looked at the building and was like, this... Um, burnt orange um sorry burnt red color and then they were thinking oh horrible coffee carpets you know the brand color conjured up a whole different impression let me ask you a question have you heard of SAS pensions they're a fantastic tool for business owners to wrap a commercial property up in a tax-free bubble SAS can work particularly well with the cmo strategy to generate money both inside and outside of your pension it goes without saying i'm not a SAS expert but let me introduce you to someone that is Bryn Walker has been advising on SAS pensions for many years and has been a long-term supporter of the CPI network. SAS and commercial property work incredibly well together, but there are many nuances, and Bryn will make sure you don't stray from the right path. Look in the show notes for the partner link and book up a SAS discovery call with Bryn. Interesting. What they were trying to portray. And so what we did with the brand is then go, okay, it needs to be a destination now with the changes needs to be much more so looking at that roadmap bringing in a cafe as well partnership with a gym really focusing on the first image always sometimes it's the hero images of what people see especially if you're on lots of broker listing sites that first image what does it say about you so the image was changed from the house that didn't say anything to a modern workspace but in a rural setting you know that was the first image so this is where the brand is always going, what do you want people to notice and see straight away? And that's the big one with the brand on first first impressions count so much in this industry. Yep. And most decisions, one provider did some research, they make their decision online. 75% have already decided whether they're going to take the space or not based on first impressions. So that's where it's really strong going. Have you got your picture of your outside looking um just a bit scrappy you know it's not quite painted you know it hasn't got the signage there it hasn't got that wonderful grand entrance that's welcoming people um i do see sort of lots, lots of ones on sort of business parks they don't look attractive some of these buildings don't put that as your big first image yes. um yes. so branding for me is much more than that logo as well it's what are those images portraying to people whether it's the iconography and and the logo the colors what does it all portray together and really bringing that together strongly whatever you know whatever brand it is
That's so what 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 are the key? So just thinking again specifically about FlexSpace and a single operator, what are the the key attributes you try and bring out in brands? There'll be some common ones. Yes. What, what are maybe some of those? The common ones, location is key that people want to know up front. Yeah. Um, because then that can be, you know, in selling the benefits. I think it always goes okay. back to the principles of marketing. It's like don't sell the feature where that location is. It's the benefits of that location. Yeah. So working house, it was um, the benefits of that location was being able to focus and concentrate and bringing out the benefits of that and the place um so as opposed to sort of saying oh it's a country parkland setting what's the benefits that's always the one where there's a lot of focus sometimes on or community and saying community yes it's the benefits of that community rather than just talking about community benefits of community right yeah okay. and the networking opportunities to expand your knowledge moving it on so that's where we find with those ones it's really key to to move it to the next level so people understand and make it and not do too many. I think that's the other one that's mm -hmm. always the one is simplicity mantra that we do quite a lot going, people aren't going to take in um, 15 images and too much content. Keep it simple, get them in. And the call to, it's all about the call to action, get them into your space. That's yeah. the job. And don't give them too much away. Well, my big one is don't give too much away on all the rooms, all the offering um get the excitement there and that's sort of exclusivity feel so usp is really thinking about it and don't make community really sort of black just putting that word community what does it actually mean um it doesn't mean that you have free lunch every wednesday where everybody congregates and comes together you know putting some tangibles around it much more because it is a lot of the property um, locations we look at it's quite fluffy Yes. All the time and that's where everybody's got quite fluffy <laughs> so anything that's stand outable um that sort of sets you apart is key yeah because we must remember some some of the locations you deal with will be city center mm. where there is a large concentration of flexible offerings and then some of that you just said there is really actually the, the competitors might not necessarily be flex space it's just differentiating yourself on on flex which is maybe slightly easier but yeah. in the city centers yeah the, picking out those usbs must be quite hard sometimes when there are many products out there that are design led you know yeah. it's become you know in the last sort of seven eight years design led has become a real and that's where we see some great brands really distinguishing themselves about so TechSpace is a great brand, but they're all about um, businesses within just the tech space, about their growth as well. They're about aligning themselves with growth businesses in tech. Mm -hmm. So all their branding, all their marketing relates to that. We have much more, I would say, some of the um, smaller providers really focusing on community and support. And that's that need that businesses sometimes want the big driver for them and their need is support there. And Regis and sort of a bid space, some other providers, it's about control. And some more of the corporate element there. Corporate, they want to know what they're getting. They want their processes. Yep. They want to know that if they go to another location, it's going to be the same and the same value. So their drivers of need are control. And that's quite different. What was interesting, sort of Regis started the market 
30 years about being very much that control factor that businesses yeah. wanted and back to the days when we had sort of you know text uh, telephone sort of fixed line telephone and address was the most important things then we work came in and they were about enjoyment so the needs of people were totally different it was about the big sort of drive of people's needs was enjoyment on that side um, and then we you know we have quite a few models where we look at these different personas an X and Y brand is about businesses with purpose and they're very much forward thinking companies. They position themselves to be very much for um, that sort of need of ambition and progress. So where we go lots more where it's a bigger, larger brand where you know we go quite a lot into detail, bringing out these different types of personality types within the branding. Yeah, it was interesting because you, you bring up Regis. They've they also they bought spaces a few years ago and they've developed that brand into lots of locations. I think you brought when we had a conversation the other day, you mentioned just about the price differential you'd spotted in one location where there was a spaces and a Regis, which are under the same umbrella IWG, but actually different brand offerings and the price difference was really quite considerable. Yes. And so we looked at the whole of the UK and their price mark of where they got two competing a Regis and the spaces. And it was 42% difference in wow. price between yep. a Regis, which was much more lower there, um, in sort of coffee actual amenities there where spaces do often have cafes much um, bigger communal areas and spaces design much more design led you know a 42 percent difference there it would be it would be interesting because actually on a financial model on the regis um locations there may be very good efficiencies on use of space so they may have you know a, a good concentration so if it's 20,000 square foot building, they're maybe getting an occupancy hit rate of 75-80% of the net area that's lettable, whereas in the spaces, because of what you just described, it may be that's maybe 65% or something. I'm, I'm picking numbers out of the area. Mm -hmm. But basically, there's less, um, I, I guess, that, that, that concentration on making sure that we get the net floor area totally let to actually adding loads of value, which then increases the value or the amount people are willing to pay yes and i think and that's always going back to knowing your research what's right for the market what is the price level and what is the offering level do relate quite significantly there's yeah. and that's where even in london the, the spectrum goes even wider from you know you can pay 250 a desk to two thousand pounds a desk yeah and the service does you know differ and what the amenities and the offering quite hugely there yeah and you have to i think you have to just ex accept right we're not going to compete together we're in completely different markets yes <laughs> so, and the clientele and know your market yeah and that's where we find when we analyze sectors it's very interesting to see certain areas where sectors or buildings if there's any patterns often we're you know yeah. creating that brand and looking for the patterns um, based on that and that's how you do build your initial brand but you do evolve the more closer you stay with your clients and the market there to know what's right for your clientele yeah. and I think that's the hard one that it, working house it had to evolve the client needs had evolved hence a whole different sort of roadmap based on on that okay so here's the big question so <laughs> as entrepreneurs property entrepreneurs 
private investors that are starting to buy commercial they maybe haven't got a big fund and they've been very specific about the exact thing they're doing and their driver is more about being opportunistic so finding buildings that maybe aren't quite working right now and they can see they, they understand the market and perhaps they've recognized that this particular building in this particular location is going to really benefit from providing a let's say a three-star product okay and it may be that the client types for that building are more, I guess, the more functional economical space. They might be makers. I, I, I'm just picking them. Yeah. Mind, but, but basically, that you've identified that for that building, that's the product that the market's looking for. And as a entrepreneur, it's hard not to do that because yeah. you see there's opportunity, the numbers work. However, in your portfolio, you also have this other location that has a five-star offer because you've done your market research, you've recognized it needs to be more about the communal spaces, the facilities and everything else, because that's where the market demand is. So you've gone and developed this building over here doing that particular product. And then as I say, as I say, an opportunist, you've seen another one. You thought, oh, right, let's go and do that because I understand how the market's going to work. I know that that's going to make good money. And I need to offer this product over there. The challenge then is, how do you reconcile those two different types of products? And um, is it actually a case that the more you get focused on your brand, that actually that determines and ultimately reduces the amount of buildings you're looking at because you need to look for buildings that perform and deliver the type of brand you're doing somewhere else? How do you reconcile that? And so we find with all clients, it's initially being quite reactive to the market and you know, and opportunities coming to you that you see and analyze. Whereas once you've got a stronger brand, you're proactive. You know your critical success factors. You know, say, you need a certain worker population that you're gonna demand. You need to have sort of retail vitality nearby. You need to be, you've got your set and each brand has a different set criteria yep. of what those requirements are. You also know the formats that work and so you might have slightly different formats, but you've got that model because the only way we work with lots of providers, of course, they want to sort of build build the business and they're going to sell. So it needs to be reliable and replicable, the business model. Yes. So that's where we find with brands we're going on that journey where they're working out how to get that reliable and replicable scale in some ways. So with our research and we work with them is we're finding patterns on what's working and which one's locations. I think the interesting one when you're sort of on that evolution of sort of growth is it's not until you have a few in your portfolio, we start to analyze, we go, actually, you want more of location A than, than locations B. Locations B we thought was gonna be great on paper, but actually because of the, the age of the building, it caused more problems, you know. Um, so I suppose what we find with clients like the boutique workspace company, really interesting. We've worked with them on their brand to solidify it. They know that for them, it's a grade two townhouses where they've got their niche. Yes. Uh, their average tenant size is 8.8 .8 employees. They can't cut those buildings up to be massive floor plates and taking any larger size companies because of the buildings also dictating that yes, and the demand yeah. in London that's their niche then everybody in the market knows when they see a building to phone up boutique going this will be ideal for them 
And so that's how it goes hand in hand. And with the stronger your brand is, customers know who what you're about, the brokers know who you're about, the leads come to you and the right leads come to you. So it's that snowball effect. And that's, yeah. I think, always the one where it's not until you have a portfolio and you can start analysing it that you work out really where you want to hone in. I think that's always always the trouble. And quite a few providers do then sort of, sort of dispose of certain sites for certain reasons as well, um, because it's not working for their setup, their operational setups. That's other sometimes you know, working yep. out what size works for you as well. Sure. Yep. With the staffing, because that's the one until you're doing it. Um, so that's where we, it, it is a bit of a process. It's not going to be, you're going to have that brand. It does evolve the whole time brands evolved. And where we work with clients, is, it's more just that professionalization of moving yep. it to the next stage. I think everybody then yeah. creates initial brand and it's like, it needs to evolve. So most of the time we're stripping, to be quite honest, because simplicity is key. Like we go in and go, oh my gosh, you've got um, five different packages for people. They're overwhelmed. Just give them two, you know, two options, classic sales, only two options on purchase because too much choice brings confusion. And that's the biggest thing in the market. Properties a nightmare because it's not like baked beans on a shelf or anything like that. That's easy, standard, replicable. Property's got so many different variations that you have to deal with, with the different the buildings, the different locations, different sizes. That's the hard thing. And so, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's. It's, um, it's interesting when you're saying there about professionalizing. Yeah, I mean, you basically need to grow up. <laughs> as, and it was, as, yeah. And we do see some going through the teenage years as well. Yes. Sometimes I do say to different brands we're working, I feel like you're going through your teenage years. You're not quite sure of who you are. <laughs> and and that's just the evolution with businesses. So having said that there is an absolutely, it's a path, it's an evolution. For somebody who's listening to this, who has one location right now, but is has ambitions to grow to more locations, they've started identifying opportunities and they may be being opportunistic as i suggested that maybe a few are what are some of the things they should be thinking about in terms of their brand and how they're developing their current building and its personality shall we say with an eye on the future and what they're going to be doing longer term what what are just some of the key things they need to be thinking about even if yeah okay we might need some mid-course change of direction yep. What are some of the fundamentals that would be good to get in place now, knowing that we're going to be growing so that we don't have to unpick lots of things when we get that site number two thing? Oh, hold, hold, right, this is, I need to start yeah. changing what I'm doing. So a lot of our work is on platforms and sort of processes that sort of site, um, and creating playbooks as well to make it easier to know what you're about. And so a playbook, sometimes simply the clients just love that we have boilerplate copy text short one-line text three lines four lines you know that you can rinse and repeat quite quickly that you fine-tune instead of making it up the whole time you know the whole time is this, is this for is this in terms of um lines you're using for sales and customers yes. yeah rather than processes oh, all of it i think it's just going always having those snippets that you can go back to yeah and creating this whole sort of playbook there with everything with it. in yeah. it 
that's where some of the simple things on that systems is another one thinking about if you're going to scale working out what systems we've talked about sort of entry level um entry access systems having the same that you're yes. constantly not using different suppliers what can you sort of work on that then you can grow we often call it this platform for growth that we're working on going if you're going to keep on doing these things and what we take our clients through is opening up new locations we have a checklist of all the activities and it's very much making sure you've got my business set up you know all these different things yeah. from the start and there's and we've got core activities nice to have activities that you can do with community building and things like that but it is documenting things I would say is the crucial one my biggest bugbearer that we come in often is as people set up social media profiles everywhere and then later trying to come in and unpick yes. um where they don't know what email account or who created it and then that person's left and it's connected to their own personal Facebook it's putting that all down knowing your online footprint is really important um with that setup so often it has is a lot of the work we're doing with business is documenting things to be quite honest yeah. um because it's not until later that suddenly um like with google my business you want to connect the two brands you want to manage them through one profile and things yeah. so a lot is on you're doing things at speed and fast but documenting everything you're doing to stop yeah. you keep on doing save it. yeah i was Can just gonna say that? yeah those that are going through that process right now of setting up a location yeah try and document as much it's really difficult though isn't it when you're in the yeah. in the fire trying to get on with it all making sure that all these dots are jo joined as much as you can spinning a lot of plates it's difficult to actually take the time to do it suddenly but... somebody tells you you need to do something you've got to have instru you've got to do all these different things and a lot with our clients is going through going these are the core these are the night you know what's going to drive you lead at the end of the day yes. we've got a our hit list of which broke you know which brokers which locations to use and different so it is much more formulaic yeah. and that's the one where and you don't think of that often with brand but that's yeah. the only way you get a scale with a brand it's been so so sorry, just, just you've just led me into a, a question I'd like to ask, slightly off piece, but with different locations, and, and maybe maybe we could say within the M25 and then outside the M25, but is the um, proliferation of the online brokers such that they are the main source for most London-based businesses? Um, and when you come out of London to other locations, maybe you were talking there about um, the the rural location, is that more of a blend of activity they're doing themselves and various other lead sources? Because I, I, I'm conscious that for me, I work in areas where the lead brokers are not as strong. In fact, now the amount of lettings that we have through brokers is, will be less than probably 5%. And, and a lot of it's through websites um, and various other things. There's no, there's no shiny silver bullet for us. And is that the same across the country in rural areas, or do you find that actually the brokers are strong in places other than just London? So you've got it exactly right. In London, definitely most of our clientele, much more, 90, 95% is all through brokers. And and then as soon as other clients sort of the working house outskirts of phasing state, you flip hardly any fire brokers all direct only five percent you know yeah. it does totally flip 
what you find is the more rural locations um, compared to sort of big urban cities like uh, London, Manchester, Birmingham, you've got more opportunity with your brand. Yeah. And you've got a much tighter audience base as well. That's a crucial one. A lot of our marketing activities just focus on the local businesses in a radius. We're going, depending on how rural it is, you know, anything from five mile radius to 25 mile yeah. radius that we're working on. People are only going to travel to that location because they live nearby or there's something connecting. Brokers, the, the play that brokers have is you can penetrate your local market, but getting some of, if you want to go larger, um, 30 plus of deaths, or I think that's where the brokers have a really crucial role in bringing you opportunities that you not might not be able yes. to see there. So uh, I think if you, it depends on your desk size as well, on if you're very much um, under sort of 15 desks and stuff, and you're in rural location, your own marketing is your strongest there. Yeah. Building up that, and then, and it takes a while to build up demand. I think that's, the other one managing expectations with sometimes to get to that occupancy levels that you want it might take two years because you've got to penetrate the local market and a lot of our the activities are really much more um penetrating on a you know that local community so it's yeah. commercially driven keep on telling the same people that businesses in the area often it is other providers you know it's only as you know looking at that pool of waters in the area as well okay. so That's it, interesting insight yeah okay so for just going back to the, the individuals taking on a one location right now what are and they're trying to understand what their usps are what what thing what would you suggest them as a good way to evaluate those usps because we mentioned earlier on about the difference between um benefits and features right mm -hmm. so what, what are some of the things that people should be doing to consider what their their usps are because they may not be apparent straight away i always um, from my experience with retails and hotel industries always think like go back to analogies of other businesses that you can look at mm -hmm. so tesco's is always a great example are you a tesco express you know your size your, yeah. um, if you're mm -hmm. sort of eight thousand square feet um are you a metro you know tesco express more outside um car parking access there or are you a metro version of tesco's a small version in a city center or are you um a general sort of tesco's or are you there's sort of massive hypermarket yes. hey you know are you going for um that scale are you being much more for HQ for offices for big offices are you a HQ and so that's where it's thinking about what the format who you're serving as well all comes to play with okay. then thinking about the USPs if you're maybe somewhere in the middle of <laughs> massive hypermarket and uh, express is it about a club then is it about like-minded businesses getting together is that your USP is that the value you bring are they coming much for a reason much more than just the space and mm -hmm. um, so that's where sometimes i find looking at it going different formats if it express model it might be that people are popping in in and out more than ever yep and the frequency is high but the you know they don't stay in the office so long there's different reasons there 
so that's where it comes back to thinking about what's your format in some ways yeah okay. so format could be if it's out of town on a business park it's much more they're coming for head down work you know what style of clientele you need for that on that okay. side okay so that's basic that that's really talking about the format the the operation that you're going to be delivering but if you've got three or four others that are doing the same on the same business park or around the corner or whatever how do you dig deeper into what your usp would be against those is that i mean yeah. I, I that's so, quite a lot of analysis self analysis yeah. and um, so differentiation can be your client type or your price point as well mm -hmm. that can be the one you know the middle area we find with any brands is hard when you're quite the same. Yes. If you're low cloth, that's a strong differentiator. If you're high premium, that's a strong differentiator. Yeah. It's that middle market that can suffer, yes. Yes, because it's very much um, tit for tat. What we do a lot is looking at supply and demand analysis to work out, mapping out the competition to go, yeah. what do you have stronger? I think when it's a very location to location you're working out why do you lose deals you know what do people come to you and say they didn't realize you had and have been really excited about often what we will do with a brand there is go on looking at lead flow what leads are come in who haven't converted and why yeah um looking at the competition if they're really successful why you know and then finding out going you're not gonna go head to head with them what can you do differently that customers want that yes. you need to shine higher and um, with that sort of very much one location base that you need to drive sales it is going back to to looking at everything and listing it out going we feel really strong we need to shout about this one thing higher and above everybody else if yeah. it's car parking so you know it can be something very minor that you've got a linkage in with a gym or something else that you feel that's the clientele that you want and it's the strongest thing interesting okay so and going back to listings i'm often going thinking about if you're scrolling yeah or, or on different websites what's going to be the thing that you want people to come to you for that you're attracting your clientele right clientele Is yeah that one? i think um I, i'm an interesting is that with that discussion there about the brokers in some locations being 95 percent leads you've only got a thumbnail really yeah and and, maybe, and some brief description but of course the brokers don't want to tell the client where you are and what building it is because they want to obviously get their commission so they can't set up that direct <laughs> connection so it's a little thumbnail but when you're in the more rural or you've got your location that's maybe not got so much competition you've got much more ability to share more information or at least um share more of your personality but but it's through your website right i mean some of it will be socials but a lot through your website signage is crucial often we look at location go actually signage opportunities there partnership opportunities really penetrating the business community there is some key tools that we use um, sometimes guerrilla marketing sponsorship lots of different yeah. tactics you can use but always with marketing keep on saying the same message over and over again <laughs> so they don't keep i think where we 
sort of come back and unravel it. It goes back to one of Steve Jobs' quotes that's always really good. It's like focus and simplicity, they're the keys. Once you get that right, you can move mountains. But don't keep on that. Oh, I go back to having that boilerplate text, everything that you're like, this is what we're constantly saying, because people are not engrossed in your brand like you are. Yes, yes, of course, yeah. And so keep on, and it's okay to keep on putting the same, if people keep on going, oh, we need to refresh our images, keep putting that same content because it's slowly getting into people's subliminal. And it's um, about timing, isn't it? Yeah. You know, somebody might not be looking for an office tomorrow, but they might yeah. be in two years' time, yeah. <laughs> so and so established. um that's why i'm like local site you know strong signage there strong connections with other businesses the feedback from businesses is crucial social proof as well when it's very much local um you've got that direct opportunity with customers that social proof yeah you are your current client base quite a lot of sometimes the questions are when people come on tours it's like who's the other you know what other businesses are here that's the reason they're coming. That's so, interesting. Yeah. So you, they, you understand that. So there's there's an actionable tip for people just to go and do now is try and get that customer feedback and start relating that into well, as you say, social proof, but relating it into the various forms of media so that it, people can see that and feel they're not the guinea pig and understand what type of customers that they they currently have and what's working. Yeah. Fantastic. This has been really interesting, Zoe. I think we're we're, we're out of time. Um, it might be we need to come back and uh, pick apart one or two of those more specific areas. But thank you so much for joining me today. It's been really fascinating. Likewise. Uh, thank you very much. And if anybody wants to connect on LinkedIn, it's always the best channel. I was there. just going to ask, where is the bit? I will put some um, notes in, in the show notes. I'll put some contact details. But just for those that are having a listen, LinkedIn, best place? Yes, you'll find me on LinkedIn quite easily with Zoe Ellis-Moore with Spaces Places there. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Thank you so much, Zoe. We shall speak again very soon. No worries. Take care. Thanks, All everyone. Right, cheers.